Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Welcome to the Sports and Load episode number 62. I'm your host, Danny Belts. We're going We Don't Need Roads. That's right, because we're going back to the future. College futures, as a matter of fact. The very essence of this podcast. This is my favorite one every year. College football futures. We'll be talking about that. But before that, Biden in Afghanistan. I mean, we just have to. How can you not? And I'm sure Tommy Bench, who's coming back on the show, will hammer away on that. Jack Morris is suspended from calling games in Detroit. Interesting. Two other people aren't suspended for doing the same thing. Huh, let's talk about that. Uh, somebody asked me about the scouting report thing I said last week. We're going to talk about that. I'm glad someone challenged me on that. COVID vaccine. I do want to distinguish the difference between a shot and a vaccine. I did go to culinary school. Uh, but I think I understand the difference, and I think many people don't. Bro Exotic is back on. It looks like, once again, he's got a Buffalo Riot Wings franchise. This time, he's gone international. Unbelievable. And then I did mention Tommy Bench will come on and talk about God knows what, but it's probably probably uh, objective, true, and well thought out, unlike anything you'll hear initially on this podcast. Thanks for joining the Sports Handle today. Once again, you can follow us. On Instagram at the Sports Antidote, we're getting close to 1,500 followers before Instagram began to cuck. I'm going to keep that word under four and a half. So there's one. Uh, we have some new listeners. I know I always say that, but thanks to the new listeners here this time out in Montana. A few people in Montana, holler at your boy, uh, right near near Helena, the capital. So welcome to the podcast. Reach out and touch it, brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. Danny Belts, Bro Exotic, Tommy Bench. Now that we are getting back into the swing of things. Uh, we'll get more into gambling mode. Uh, however, at the same time, it doesn't mean we're going to be throwing anything out on the back end. Tommy Bench will certainly be on, just not for as long as football takes the show. You know, it's more the mainstream thing, or at least for now. I mean, <laughs> next year, maybe not. We'll see where the show takes us. It's just a, it's a, it's an ever-growing document. It's a, it's, an, it's a, the document itself is alive and always. Changing. So uh, low-hanging fruit. I mean, let me just get into it. The, the Joe Biden and the Afghanistan thing, and I know that it's it's even the Democrats are on him. Jake Tapper's on him. Stephanopoulos is on him. Like, I mean, even the woke far left blue media is all over him. So it's almost like I shouldn't be on him because finally the media is doing their job. Uh, what an unbelievable call by the sitting president of the United States, who's you know watching the Golden Girls and Camp David eating his ice cream, and then. You know, finally has to come answer to the reporters. And what's he do? He doesn't answer hardly any questions, just turns away from the podium after someone asked him a tough question, basically saying, what are you doing? And he responded, blaming Trump. Unbelievable. You have just abandoned. This is the equivalent of having like three outdoor dogs that always are trying to get inside and eat your cats. And what is what is stopping 
the dogs from doing that. Well, one is a door. The other one is you. So imagine you just abandon your house forever and leave the door open and the dogs come running in. They're going to annihilate and rip the cats to pieces. And that is what's happening right now in Afghanistan uh, with straight-up terrorists. So we found out that the far left is pro-criminal. We know that because all the Soros placed – and this is public record – Soros donated money to many of these DAs, particularly in New Orleans and Philadelphia and Baltimore, just to say just a few to highlight. And New York, it's a fact. This is all they're open about it, so it's fine. So we are too. So we let all the criminals go. We arrest all the drunk white idiots that came in the Capitol. And yes, they should have been arrested, but not for sixty or excuse me, six months. It's absolutely ridiculous. So we let criminals go, and now we're going to arm terrorists. My biggest problem with this whole thing is we left close to like a billion dollars in artillery. Uh, we left them with a bunch of uh, war. What are they called? Uh, war hawks. <laughs> Those helicopters. The Black Hawks or not the Apaches. The Apaches. So I don't. Know, they don't know how to fly them, but I guarantee you they'll probably die trying. So we'll see how that works out. But like, either way, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you have to have some sort of exit strategy. Obviously, if the Trumpster had pulled something like this, I'd be just as mad. But you have let the dogs in the cat house. And now families, people, children, women, everyone is going to get torn to pieces. It's happening right now. So it just shows what this administration is about. We are pro-criminal and now we are pro-terrorist. Prove me wrong. Argue me. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, how? We let criminals go and now we arm terrorists. I mean, this is what Madeleine Albright did years ago with North Korea, right? Secretary of State under Bill Clinton. Oh, they need it for energy. No, they need it for nukes. But thanks. Pro-terrorist. Pro-communist terrorist. Unbelievable. That's a, that's a lot. If you don't like it, leave. Jack Morris commentating for the Detroit Tigers. I don't even know who he was. Didn't really care, but he did something pretty funny. I think when Oatani came up, the shining star for the Angels, who still can't figure out how to win baseball games, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's either going to be him as the MVP or Vlad Jr. Guerrero going absolutely insane, making the majors look like T-ball currently. Uh, <laughs> so, as it would be. He kind of said something in an Asian accent, like we all do every time, uh, all the time. Excuse me. I mean, I, I, who doesn't do that? Is that, that really is racist? People do white voice. I uh, see people do black voice. People do Hispanic voice. Well, this guy, he's a white man, so he's screwed. So he had to apologize. He was indefinitely suspended by Bally Sports up there, blah, blah, blah. And yet at the same time, Stephen A. Smith said that Oatani should not be the face of Major League Baseball because he doesn't even speak English. Can you imagine if Dan Patrick had said that? Canceled. But no, it's Stephen A. Smith, uh, and he's got something going for him there. So at the same time, nothing happens. Don't even issue an apology. And if he did, it was on an email. Very similar to when Michael Irvin accused Tony, Tony Romo of having slave feet insinuating that his parents or his great-great-great-grandfather or some ancestor up, and I think his mother, had sex with a slave, thus giving him athletic ability. He was issued – he didn't have to issue any apology for that. That was 15 years ago. Wildly offensive, unbelievable. Can you imagine if someone like, I don't know, Boomer had said, boy, that, <laughs> that Taysom Hill has some slave feet. Yeah, canceled. Uh, unbelievable. Has, uh, has, has Jalen – Rose apologized for calling Kevin Love a token. That's just, again, no, no, he hasn't. Doesn't have to. They play by different rules. I'm sorry. It's just different when you're white. It is. You can't say, I mean, just look. I mean, a token? That's like me saying, yeah, the only reason Lamar made the swimming team is because they needed a token. Whoa, canceled. So it's wildly racist to say something like that. But, you know, we see that there are different standards for race when it comes to getting canceled or suspended or issuing apologies, etc. These are the facts, and they are indisputed. Speaking of facts. COVID vaccine. 
When are we going to stop with this? Isn't a vaccine something you just get like once? You get like vaccinated as a kid for the, the measles and polio like once, right? Or when you typically get vaccinated for the flu. Oh, it's a flu shot. Oh, we get that annually. I see. So now this is nothing more than a shot, correct? Because now we're talking about constant boosters and COVID for the next 50 years. There's a better chance of me, the better chance of me in 2024, honestly, voting for whoever it is, whether it be Kamala or Joe, whichever one's still standing, better chance voting for that party than me getting vaccinated. So, and if you think maybe because I'm not vaccinated, maybe you can catch code by listening through this. Maybe so. Maybe you should find another podcast. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just over here speaking to facts. Why do you get vaccinated for something every year? So it's a COVID shot. Let's just call it just what it is like the flu and apparently wildly ineffective. And once again, um, fake news flies everywhere and Facebook and Twitter and the fact checkers and they all cock. Yes, we know it's absurd. Okay, quick kid, the scouting report thing. You know, we're going to get that next week. I have a very good example of how I scouted a basketball team while in Colorado for a friend of mine when I first moved there. It was a YMCA league. You're going to laugh, uh, but this could be translated nearly to anything, and it ranges from looking at people who just literally can't not get caught in a pick, nice double negative belts like LeBron James. Take out a tally board and see how many times LeBron James when they play Phoenix, how many times he actually gets caught in the high screen and roll? Anyone that runs the screen and roll, LeBron leads the world in getting caught in picks. And you can exploit the hell out of that. Not so much in the NBA, but in the lower levels for sure. And even in probably Division One college basketball. So we don't have time for all that. But I will get into that next week on what I would do, what I've done, and how I would do it. And it will make very perfect sense to you and to back up what I said last week. When I do think if a coach asked me to go get a quantitative review on a team, I could put that together within 72 hours of watching the team film plan and my opinion on what we should do to stop this team then they'll take that and do the operational uh, thing and execute the company strategy accordingly if they choose to listen to what I said but we'll get into that uh, next week at the great white bitch of the week coming up for you coming up for you but before we get into all of that let's get into the mainstay bitches let's talk about some college futures you guys ever heard of an angel shark it's one of the most underrated ambushed predators in the arsenal that Mother Nature has let us see, whether it be insects, mammals, fish, birds, what have you. These guys rank probably in the top five. Belts, why do you want to talk about angelfish? I'm glad you asked. Let's cue Somali music. The angelfish is about four feet long, and you can only find it in a very distinct area, pretty much the Mediterranean, northwest Africa, all on the coast of Italy there, north of Morocco is where they're prevalent. Not just are they dangerous to fish swimming by, they're dangerous to scuba divers because they don't discriminate. They can eat fish almost three-fourths their size. They have a huge mouth. They lay flat like a big, angry flounder. Not so much a halibut. We'll call them an 80-pound flounder. Angry, pissed-off fish. But they're very, very patient. And you see, what they do, what I like about them, is they can sit still. Sit absolutely, perfectly still for almost one week and they just sit there <laughs> they just wait it is a true ambush predator a predator of opportunity they wait for something to swim over them whether that be a scuba diver no they've never killed anyone but they've attacked uh, and they've been very successful in attacking as their teeth are interlayered which means once they lock on it's impossible to let go the bottom jaw goes the other way of the front teeth so once they're locked on to you, you're going to have to kill it because it's impossible for them to let go. Belts, why are we talking about? I'm almost there. Just lead up, leading up to something. 
This animal reminds me so much of this football team in particular. Not so much because of the teeth or because of the patience, because they lay waiting and they're going to bite one of these four teams right in the S. Let's take this party to the ACC, a place I'd never go, to the Atlantic Division. Let's go to Georgia Tech. That's right, Georgia Tech. Let's talk about them. True freshman last year, Jess Sims was tasked with taking this team to some sort of mild or average win rate, which is nearly impossible three years out of the triple option. How is that even possible right now? Jeff Collins, the coach, accused of being more of an operator, not a hands-on developer but we talked about that he doesn't have to be a developer he has to be the ceo he has to be the coach leave that leave all that to dave patnito the offensive coordinator he's the one that came along in 2019 with with sims trying to go ahead and change what paul johnson created with the triple option very difficult with these two running backs they have gibbs and mason i feel you're going to see an excellent combination of power and speed it reminds me of all start war done what they have going on back there jeff sims a lot of progression we see. You know, 13 picks last year, 13 touchdowns. Ran for 600 yards and six scores. We saw flashes of brilliance with this kid. Brilliance, particularly in that nationally televised game versus UCF, where he brought them in the red zone like 15 times, but he kept throwing interceptions and fumbling. But he showed the talent in between the 20s. He just needs to execute that inside the 20 now, and I feel that he can. The first thing you look at is the, is the schedule, right? Okay, well, here's the automatic losses. At Miami, at Clemson, at Notre Dame, Georgia comes to Georgia Tech, and so does UNC. I feel they're going to win one, maybe two of those games. Before you go, oh, it's impossible. I feel that they will. Obviously, they'll beat Northern Illinois and Kennesaw State. And then they have a pretty much average ACC schedule in between with teams like Virginia Tech and Boston College. These are winnable games. Their over-under is five. I feel the worst they do is five, and much like the Angel Shark, they lay at the bottom waiting for one of these five teams to come to get snipped. And get snipped they will. Georgia Tech schedule ranks as one of the hardest in college football, which is why their win total sits at five. But I look at that as an opportunity, not a challenge. I think that Sims gets it together. I think he becomes challenges for ACC Player of the Year. I know that sounds insane, but with this dual-threat kid, what he's done over the offseason, gained 15 pounds, a hard pipe hit in American muscle. We like Georgia Tech. Over five wins. We like them to win six to seven, get into a bowl game, and do what no one thinks they can do. And that's what we do on the Sports Antidote. Take stuff that no one sees. We're going, you don't need roads, Marty. (laughs) I was a bad doc. You know, I once had a sales manager who was really, really bad. And uh, it's the worst. When your manager's terrible, your life is terrible, especially in sales. It's worse than having your wife mad at you. It is just the worst. I've been doing this for a while. I've had three previous sales jobs since I was 24, and I think there's a lot of people in these three previous jobs listening to this. You'll know exactly who it is. Actually, you already do, the group of people, and the others that don't, well, they don't. Belts, why are you talking about sales management? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's a reason why I'm talking about it, because it's very important to be able to bring in the correct talent, remove people that are dead weight, replace them with actual talent through the interview process, the qualification process, and implement them into the sales team to execute the company strategy. If you cannot bring in talent and identify dead weight, and if you cannot manage the talent you have, or do one of those two, that is a fireable offense and a cardinal sin when it comes to developing a sales team. Cardinal sin. The same when it comes to coaching. You have to know when to bring in certain people, when to get rid of them, and why. But more importantly, you have to know the why. Well, it wasn't working for this team last year, we'll get to in a second. One of Conference USA's finest. We've been talking about them for a long time on this podcast, all the way back to the email. Coaching changes needed to be made, and they were made. 
Oh, man. And they not only were they made, they were made at a rate at which I've never quite seen. Tyson Helton, the coach to the dude over at USC, made some changes. Let's take this. So we'll stay on the East Coast. Conference USA, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. Been talking about them for a while. Been talking about it for years. And last year, their offense was absolutely terrible, averaging 19 points a game, right around 300 yards a game. Defense was great, but the offense was so stagnant. You remember me talking about a certain player last year, early in the podcast from Houston Baptist, Blake uh, Bailey Zappi. Lit, lit everyone up in the four games he played in the FCS against those teams. 15 touchdowns, one pick, 1,600 yards. He threw 65% accuracy. This kid is a stud. The six foot two, 220-pound transfer from Western Kentucky decided he wasn't going to come alone. No, 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 no. He didn't come alone. He brought the two brothers, his number one and number two receivers, Jareth and Josh Stearns. This is huge. He has his guys. Half the offensive line's gone. Tight end Zach Kelly went. Buffalo tight end transfer Zach LeFevre and even Daywood Davis from Oregon has transferred over, but I'll do you one better. The reason I talk about changing and management and implementing the right talent is because Helton had the understanding and the know-how to bring in all those kids from Houston Baptist, but he did everyone one better. He brought in the offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, the run-and-gun, fun-and-gun Houston Baptist was crazy last year. He brought half the offense with him to Western Kentucky. They're bringing the same exact playbook. This has never happened. I don't remember this ever happening. The same receivers, his number one, number two. Half the offensive line. A two great tight end and a wide receiver transfer from Oregon who runs a 4-3-2 with the offensive coordinator from Western Kentucky. This is going to be a very, very powerful and force to reckon with in Conference USA. Of course, you're going to ask who they play. Well, I'll tell you who they play. Out of conference... People will look at this and go, oh, I don't know about that. They have to play Indiana at home, and they play Michigan State on the road. They're going to win one of those two games. I think they go beat Michigan State on the road. I said that now, and I think they can easily beat Indiana at home. Pack that in with an average Conference USA schedule. Nothing crazy except for the next team I'm going to talk about. I think five and a half wins is perfect. I think Bailey Zappi lights up Conference USA and is top ten in passing at the end of the year. I think he leads the conference in yards, accuracy, and touchdowns in conference. And I think he finishes the year with a bang. The future pro quarterback Bailey Zappi will lead this team to a bowl game, baby. Six plus wins. We like the five and a half over. And where we're going, Marty. I'm butchered again, but I don't care. We don't need roads. Hmm. February 23rd, 1836. A very interesting date in American lore. Belts, what did I? I'm leading up to something. I'm glad you asked, though. As usual. Glad that you asked. Well, on that day, Santa Ana and 4,000 people from Mexico decided they were going to come up to the Alamo. Oh, now, of course, the story in the history books now in the public schools, particularly in Chicago. Yes, yes, the white man's bad. We all get it. We understand that. And they cock, of course. Well, let's talk about what really happened. 4,000 came up under Santa Ana. The Alamo, the fort, still stands there today. I took the tour. Pretty cool. Davy Crockett, the last man standing, 180 Americans took that stand right there. And, oh, yes, they're evil is the reason Texas is why Texas is. And then Sam Houston later on laid the bang. But you can go ahead and read that in your Wikipedia or public school uh, book and get their own narrative. Yeah, anyway, that's exactly what happened in the Alamo. Belts, why are you bringing up the Alamo? Interestingly enough, the school I'm talking about, which you probably have already guessed, isn't too far from where it still stands. One thing about this team I'm about to talk about is simply do not quit. We'll get into the coach and the team in one second. But I like to look at instant transformations. As Davy Crockett was the last man down, 
the Davy Crockett's implement into that Alamo, into him getting on, literally led these men to killing so many more people than they typically would. They nearly wiped out half that army, 180 people similar to the Muslims coming after Leonidas through the hot gates. Not much difference except this being the hot gates. It was just the Alamo. Who cares, right? This team right now is built for absolute destruction, and a team from the Big Ten is going to find that out early. Let's take it right on down. We're staying in Conference USA. The Roadrunners from Texas San Antonio are going to be a force to reckon with, and Illinois is going to figure this out week one when they go up there and take an L. An L. Texas San Antonio will go up there and beat them. If you noticed, all these teams I've mentioned, we love their out-of-conference schedule to win these games, not counting Georgia Tech, but certainly counting Western Kentucky, and now certainly San Antonio and the next team that I'll be discussing. Beep, beep, boats and hoes, bitch, the Roadrunners. Running around from that coyote, except they do the attacking. The Roadrunners actually a way more vicious creature than what's depicted on those uh, old cartoons, and I'm sure that'll get canceled soon because Wiley Coyote's probably a racist, and I'm sure something or other, who knows. But I'm telling you right now, this team is built for absolute destruction around the board. Their coach is awesome. Jeff Trailer came from being Arkansas's running back coach, and he was associate coach. Came over a couple years, last year. They went 7-6, and six, went to a bowl game for the first time in school history. Their running back, Sincere McCormick, led the nation in rushing. Talk about a coach. He was Arkansas's running back coach. And he comes over here, and this dude leads the nation in rushing, but he lost it because Iowa State had one more game, and Brees Hall took it. This team is absolutely loaded. The entire offensive line is back, nearly half the defense. It's like ULL. It's like Louisiana Lafayette. Excuse me, Louisiana Lafayette, the University of Louisiana. Like, bitch. This team can go. You look at their schedule, Lamar out of conference. They have Illinois out of conference. Those are two wins and a pretty much average Conference USA schedule. Yes, they play Western Kentucky. I look at that one of two ways. One's going to win, one's going to lose. I'm factoring them to beat Western Kentucky in my calculations already. I love what this team can do. I think they are just like the Alamo. They simply do not stop defensively. Offensively, they'll be twice as good. Nearly everyone's coming back. The transfer portal didn't hurt them or help them much, but either way, I like that line. Offensive line's back. Defensive line's back. I love this coaching staff. I love what they have coming. Their over-under is eight. We like the over. We'd like them to win double digits and smoke Illinois week one. We know what's going to happen because where we're going, Marty. <laughs> he doesn't even say Marty. R, Marty, we don't need roads. One of the biggest misperceptions in the animal kingdom is the fact that the male lions don't do anything. I always found this to be pretty funny. You know, like the perception is the females do all the hunting and the females do all the, you know, that's kind of true. Belts, why are you talking about it? I'm glad you asked. I really am. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm super excited you asked me and I'll tell you why. So yes, the females do most of the hunting. There's a good reason why they do most of the hunting. Because the males have to lay back. Now, the lions, the female ones, are better hunters. But if you think that male lions don't go out and do any killing, oh, you're just an idiot. Of course they go out and do the killing. But it's kind of inherent and in the DNA of these female lions, the lionesses, to do most of the hunting. Because the lions, you see, they're typically older, bigger, stronger. Their energy needs to be saved for way more important feat than catching food. Trust me, there's no shortage of mammals to eat in Africa for the lions. Oh no, there's no shortage of people and of, and of other things they can eat. But the thing the male lion does that no one really wants to talk about is they protect the pride from another big male lion. Who 
Mind you, death taxes in this happening is going to challenge the king male of the pride. Let it be Scar or Mufasa, I don't really care. But I know one thing, you're going to get challenged. And if you lose in this epic battle, all the offspring will be eaten, eaten. And the women and the cubs will now be sexual concubines for the new males. That sound fun if you're female, Lion? No, you probably just want to keep the orange man in office. Uh, yeah, uh, and have him... Go ahead and rule. You'll go ahead and live with his angry tweets if you're a disgruntled female lion because he's protecting you from a big, big, big male to come in and rape you and eat your kids. So, does it sound like such an easy job now? No, it doesn't. Bigger, stronger, angrier, the protector. Well, there's a protector, all right, this year. And it ain't no surprise who I'm talking about. The protector of the Sun Belt. The team that is going to bring a reckoning outside of their conference. I told you there was a tempest brewing in the ocean. The tempest turned to a depression, and then a tropical storm, and now a Cat 5. It is happening right now in Lafayette, Louisiana. I've talked about this almost three weeks in a row, and this will be an ongoing theme. This team is built to destroy. And much like the male line, they don't get all the the flesh because they don't do all the hunting. And yes, they cuck. But yes, we all know. And that's four, by the way. One more and I lose. Here's the deal. Last year, I said they'd beat Iowa State outright. They went on the road and beat the co, big the, the runner-up in the Big 12. And this year, how fun that they go play the Big 12 again at Texas in Austin, a team that's favored to make a run at Oklahoma because their new coach who has to go into AA meetings at halftime. Sarkeesian, yeah, not buying it. Speaking of coaches, I'll take Billy Napier. And just to refresh your memory, turned down coaching jobs at Auburn and South Carolina. He was number one on the list. Turned down millions to come back for this opportunity. Why, you ask? Well, I guess, I mean, returning 20 of 22 starters for one reason. They lost both their running backs. They have great backups and a transfer. Jacob Khalid Koabai from Texas A&M will be fine. They led, the, they led the conference in sacks last year. Gave up the fewest sacks in the country last year. We're fifth in tackles for loss. They had the, one of the biggest offensive lines in the country last year. It's way biggest in the conference. They returned everyone. One of the best defenses in college football in points per game. Levi Lewis, the fifth-year senior at quarterback. Billy Napier, one of the best coaches in college football who will be coaching for Alabama before this is all said and done. 28-11, and 11, lifetime 21-4 and four in conference. Three division titles. They're two tough games at Liberty and at Texas. I think they win both those games. That's right. I think they can beat Texas on the road. We already bet that. I think they can beat Liberty on the road, and I think they run the table. I think they go undefeated into the conference championship against the coward team from Myrtle Beach that almost said it, but I didn't. That screwed them last year and decided not to play because of COVID. Don't think that's in their back mind of Billy Napier. Everybody returns for ULL. Everyone returns. I think they run the table. I think they go undefeated. I think they can beat Texas week one. And because I think that, I think they can easily win nine and a half plus games. I think you're looking at 10 to 11 wins minimum. If they lose only one game, it will be in Austin. And that is it. And they will see the cowards from Myrtle Beach one more time in Coastal. And they will wax that ass. And there's no running this time. I know I went over there, but that's fine. Listen to me, Coastal. There's no running from the Cajuns this time. They're going to get that ass, and you're going to get what you deserve. Because where we're going, Marty, <laughs> you don't need roads. White Bitch of the Week. Before White Bitch of the Week, just a quick recap. We have University of Louisiana, over nine and a half wins. We have Texas San Antonio, beep, beep, 
over eight wins, Georgia Tech over five wins, and Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, over five and a half wins. Two honorable mentions. They will not count towards the pod, but if you want to take a look into it, Bowling Green under one and a half wins. (laughs) I don't think they win a football game. If they do win one, it'll be a goofy game, maybe at home. I have no idea. I don't think they win a football game under one and a half. And Florida State over five and a half. Um, Interesting transfer portal there, particularly your boy, McKenzie from UCF, the quarterback. I I like that over five and a half wins. But those two just didn't make the cut. Um, But they were definitely close enough. Hmm, What do we have here? Yes. So uh, I'm going to add a little music to this one. Weak ass white bitch. Three six mafia almost hit it on the head. I had to bring this one, this song back. Instant, an instant seat at the awards banquet in December for White Bitch of the Year. The Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. How many times did he get his head dunked in a toilet in elementary school? Anthony Blinken. What a. This dude gets up there. And just completely lies. Three weeks ago, he said if we pulled out of Afghanistan, there would be no issues. And all the people are giving him intelligence. All these generals from the Pentagon, no one listens. And now the Secretary of State has the audacity to get up there and say, who would have saw this coming? Joe Biden's just too low-hanging fruit. The Secretary of State, supposed to be over these foreign affairs, makes Madeleine Albright look like Condoleezza Rice. You, my friend, are white bitch of the week for your lying and incompetence. And you are automatically... Invited at the awards ceremony mid-December for white bitch of the year, you weak-ass bitch. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. The Onion Ring commences. Bro Exotic, what's going on, Chief? Uh, what's going on, dude? Uh, bro Exotic, uh, second in command of Cal Church of Woke. Uh, what's going on, bro? Sick. Dude, nothing much, man. There's, there's, you guys have a Dorito thing going on right now. We won't talk about this, but there is, uh, the Church of Woke's been looking at the Cool Ranch Doritos versus the nacho cheese and how, you know, most people from the blue states are buying the Cool Ranch and then the Trumpers are buying the red. And I think you're finding some correlations there, are you not? Let's not you know the whole story, but don't you have a little hypothesis about how crazy this is? Or yeah, dude. Well, my my biggest gripe is there's no green Doritos for the pansexuals. It's kind of ridiculous, but uh, but yeah, definitely uh, definitely more on that on the uh, the disgusting politics of Doritos. Uh, totally just blows my mind how they just shove aside so many different groups that deserve their their own color of Doritos. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous. It is. I, I do agree. Even the green ones do. Uh, they are the vegan ones, actually, which is funny because that might play to the Ralph Nader one. But I can clearly see how the church book would be against the, you know, the far left Cool Ranch and the far right uh, nacho cheese. But not to slow it down there. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we Buffalo just we just want Riot. our work readers, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, let me go ahead and take the lead. Buffalo Riot Wings recently uh, on the NASDAQ 
has been off the charts. Uh, it started off uh, around negative 600. Now it's rolling uh, around plus 50,000, the highest moving volatile stock right now on the NASDAQ, obviously because you had the insight to put one in Kabul, Afghanistan. And right now, I have to say, I mean, I'm a majority owner in this. I don't know how. But can you just talk about what's happening right now? Because you seem to be the smartest person in the world, putting that there almost eight months ago, uh, anticipating all of this insanity, bro, exotic. Just go ahead. Yeah, man. So we decided to go international. So um, we were actually in uh, in negotiations with the Taliban, who I don't know if you knew, are, are just an, an extremely... Uh, wait, 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 you negotiated with the Taliban. I heard that correctly. That is true, dude. Uh, they've been, they're really marginalized. You were the woke pope. Uh, mostly me, uh, Woke Pope, you know, he gives me the, the reins. Nice. Woke Pope gives me the reins to, to work our finances and um, and all of our franchises and all our business ventures. So uh, I took it upon myself to just to uh, look out in the world and find a really marginalized, suppressed group of people who could really use this and use all the revenue. Uh, I mean, in the Taliban, it was just easy because they've been suppressed and really very marginalized uh, for the last 20 years. I mean, the, the U.S. is just not really letting them grow and everything. So we, we decided, you know, to give them a little chance here. So we, uh, we stuck <laughs> one in, uh, in Cabal right outside the airport. And I tell you, dude, when we unveiled that thing, I mean, all the Afghans, they just started climbing on planes and going because they knew that once we started opening uh, uh, Buffalo right wings in Afghanistan, I mean, fire is soon to come. I mean, yeah, your so, wings will be on fire. There's absolutely. No so we actually uh, we had them uh, do this first franchise. Uh, and they took out a loan to do it uh, from Antifa, actually, uh, because Antifa yes, wanted to. Yes. yes. They wanted to, you know, tell them like, look, dude, we have these, and we have uh, Buffalo Riot Wings in Portland, Chicago, Detroit, and we just been burning shit down, and it's just really working. So they're more, more or less, uh, mentors for, uh, for the Taliban right now to show them how to successfully uh, destroy a society through the gift of fire. Nice. Uh, incredible, though, uh, that I'm still tied to this. I think you may want to look back on a contract. I may be wanting to sign out now of Buffalo Riot Wings after you guys came international um, over there. I'm not sure uh, how the contract reads. Oh, that's, I, I mean, that, was. that really is a shame, dude, because uh, they actually came up with a good uh, little nickname for you, Taladan. What's that? The, the Taliban actually came up with a good uh, nickname for you. It's called, uh, they call you Taladan just because, you know, you're so ingrained into this business. So, yes. um, but I mean, well, you know. You I, can... got some, I got some bad news for you, though, bro. Uh, so I want you to go ahead and uh, talk to my lawyers. I really thank you for the Taladan. Yeah, I'm glad the Taladan liked me and all, but I'm not really a big fan of them. I didn't know we were going international. I didn't know we were going to be doing it like this in, in ridiculous countries like that. So I will let you know that uh, my percent, um, I sold my percentage uh, of the company, uh, unbeknownst to you. Contractually, I was able to do that. So I'm no longer in. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't sell. know how the, I don't know how the Taliban's going to feel about this, dude. They might. Uh... You might be feeling some uh, some bombs coming your way, financial bombs. That is, I guess. I guess that might be true. Do you want to know who kind of sold it to, or are you just not even worried about it? Uh, I mean, I'm all ears, dude. Okay, uh, there was a lot of suitors. All right, uh, a lot of people came calling because Buffalo Riot Wings is on fire. 
literally. Uh, that's our motto. But I can't, I can't stand with the Church of Woke anymore as you guys are aligning with just, you know, terrorist organizations. Although it aligns with your company strategy, it doesn't align with my, I guess, uh, you know, mindset as an American. But um, one business perkin person did come and knock him and offered me three times my share in which I bought in with you. So um, he's coming on the podcast next week. I'm sure you've heard of him, but uh, Donald Trump Jr. has now bought up my shares. He'll be coming on the show next week to talk to you to go over the specifics. Do you have any issues uh, with that? DTJ bought up your shares. Yeah, for 300%. So kind of a no-brainer on that there's nothing oh. in the contract that says it couldn't sell to anyone of the Trump family. Yeah, you really, in there. It's really yeah. a really sneaky move of you. Um, well, I'm gonna have to talk to Just my. Don't, uh, don't tell the woke Pope yet. Maybe we can have him on, and he can talk to Donald. Well, Trump. you you just uh, pass your shares down to the enemy, dude. So I'm gonna pretty sure I'm gonna have to do this. I don't know uh, quite what to what to say right now, dude. Uh, I know. I thought we were hmm. kind of friends, even though you're not. Uh, clearly not as woke as, you know, what, what's in my pinky. Of but course. I, I didn't. I didn't know it would come to this, dude. It would, and and it has. Um, the the sale is not final. We'll talk about it. Do we have next week? But uh, gives the church woke something to think about. Where Danny Belts is now actively trying to sell and has found a buyer in ex President Trump's oldest son, the birthright. You can call him Esau if you want Old Testament. Uh, whatever you want, Chief. But uh, that's how it's going down, man. So, look, let's oh. not get in an argument. This segment's running kind of long. Run it by your people. Look, don't hold it against me, bro. I've always loved you, man. I, I just – it's business, man. I got you, dude. And that was a pretty sneaky good coaching strategy by you. Um, just know that I'm going to uh, come back with everything I got now. And you're going to try to cancel the shit out of me, correct? Oh, my God. I mean – Am I already under cancel review? I have to under cancel review. You've been on You've been on an ongoing cancel review for <laughs> – I, I mean, I don't know how many months now, dude. You just find ways. I keep trying to vouch for you. Uh, you know, Woke Pope and the rest of our disciples, they're just like, dude, why don't you just cancel uh, belts? And I'm like, no, you don't understand, man. He's hes going to come around, dude. He's hes on BR this Dubs. This could be the one. This yeah, could he be was, the one. He was on BR Dubs with us, and now you're not. So, I don't know. It's out of my hands by now. You might be canceled really soon. All right, buddy. We'll talk about it next week either way, man. But uh, give us a closer here, bro. All right. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at uh, bro exotic B-R-E-A-U-X, exotic. And no joke, stay well, bro. Stay well, pal. All right, man. Cheers. Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the Sports Antelope. What's going on, Chief? Not much, pal. How you doing? Doing well, man. Sitting over here in nowhere in Mississippi. I uh, actually got canceled on a big meeting to Florida, but at least they called me before making the eight-hour trip, so I just hung it halfway. I'll see him tomorrow. Good for them. You ever been to a meeting where you showed up and it canceled? I know this is improv, but you ever had that happen? It really sucks. People don't cancel when you work for a multi-billion multinational company. People don't cancel on operations, only on sleazebag sales guys. That's right. Taken. All right. Because well, by the time we by the time we show up, they've already committed to the bad deal, and they just want to wonder how we're going to fulfill it. So, <laughs> all right, 
I'm sure nobody will be surprised that Afghanistan will be the subject of conversation, but we are going to move through it quickly because we're just not going to regurgitate all the same things you've heard. And I will start out with a disclaimer, just because I know somebody who was killed in action in Afghanistan. I won't say I know him closely. We, we went to the Naval Academy together. Uh, I'd know him well enough that if he were still alive and we walked down the street and saw each other, we'd say hi and chit chat. But by no means am I trying to represent this was a, you know, a dear and lifelong friend, but nonetheless knew somebody who was killed in Afghanistan. Does that give me any more credence to what I'm saying? Absolutely not. The facts are the facts. And we can talk about the facts of the situation. We can do some analysis. Um, I can't stand people that try to bring up the, well, I knew somebody or I'm a doctor and I saw somebody die of this and that makes me an expert. That doesn't make you an expert. It makes you you knowledgeable on that one particular aspect of it. Um, It does not make you an expert in the entire field. So here we go. Afghanistan. Can I just jump in real quick? Sorry. Hit it. Uh, yes, I also say the same things to uh, a couple of lawyer friends of mine who are, you know, COVID experts. And I said, oh, wait, what are you a lawyer of? They're like, one's a defense attorney. I'm like, oh, great. So you can just step in and defend a, a $17 million barge maritime law case. Is that how that works? No. If you're a cardiologist, that does not make you a specialist on this. I'm right. But anyway, I'm with right. you. But go ahead. So should we have been there? Look. I think most people agree going to Afghanistan at first after 9-11 was the right call because that's where the Taliban was based out of under, or excuse me, Al-Qaeda under the protection of the Taliban. OK, go in there, knock them out. Should we have stayed for 20 years? Open for debate, right? Reasonable people can disagree. Uh, the viewpoint I remember having when I was in Iraq, two tours, one in 07, 08, one in 09, was even though, OK, we didn't find any weapons of mass destruction, my viewpoint was I'd rather have been there providing a target for any jihadists that wanted to come out and play over there than allowing them to come over here. That was the mindset I had at that point, you know, once we were past WMDs. You can make the same argument in Afghanistan. Look, were we there to give the jihadis a forward target if they wanted to come out and play? Sure. Is that necessarily a a valid foreign policy strategy from a big picture? Uh, Probably not. Um, Nation building obviously was, was, is probably largely well it has been a failure i mean look their nation collapsed once we left um there's arguments and disagreements about the kind of nation building the way we train their military to only function alongside ours with our air superiority is that why they collapsed did they collapse because afghanistan is not really a country it's a band of tribes and ethnicities who've been warring for thousands of years and then all of a sudden we come in and say or the british came in uh, in the early, uh, later part of the 19th century, early part of the 20th century, and declared, this is a country, drew a line on the map. Uh, things aren't that neat and nice. So uh, let's take a step back and be intellectually honest. If Donald Trump was president right now, and he was adamant about pulling out of Afghanistan, would we conservatives be having a different view? I really feel if the same, if the rapidity with which the Afghan forces collapsed. If that would have occurred, excuse me, under Donald Trump's watch, if he were still president, I, I, I don't know how we'd be defending that. And I want to be intellectually honest. I feel like he'd be getting criticized from conservatives for that. Um, surely all the rhino neocon, you know, nation building, Dick Cheney, John Bolton, Warhawk types would have, would have criticized him. But I'd like to think if we were being intellectually honest, if the same thing happened, we, we would be criticizing him. I don't think he would have allowed it to get this far. I, I genuinely believe once, you know, if you remember, it was about a week ago when we heard, oh, this little provincial capital that nobody's heard of has fallen. Oh, okay. All right. That's kind of out in the sticks. That's kind of out in the boonies. Oh, wait, the next one, the next one. And then by about Friday afternoon, it was apparent that they were going to overrun the entire country. So 
I, th I think Trump would have intervened, but hindsight being 2020 and, and we can all, all uh, conjecture what we think would have occurred. I don't think he would have allowed it to get that far. And, and, and the fact that it happened so quickly and the fact that there, as, as bad as there was lack of planning after the invasion and the overthrow of the Taliban, there was a similar lack of planning and contingency plans for well, what happens if the Taliban start rapidly taking over provincial capitals? Um, and, and then the, the, Amer the equipment they got, the people we've left behind. I mean, if you're, an, first of all, if you're an American citizen in Afghanistan, I got to ask, like, what, what are you doing there? I mean, I, I would think you would have been paying it. Look, I wasn't really paying attention to what our troop pullout was until a couple of weeks ago, like most other people. But if you're in Afghanistan, I'd like to think you're paying a lot much closer attention to it. Just like if you have kids, you are paying a lot closer attention to some of these stimulus payments than people without kids. Right. Because it impacted you more. So, uh, and, and by far, the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway is, is this Joe Biden, not the biggest takeaway, but a, the biggest political takeaway, is this Joe Biden Saigon moment? And, and without a doubt, it is. I mean, there's, there's photos where it literally is almost the same photo. In fact, check our Instagram feed for a nice little meme with uh, the lovely Pam Beasley from The Office showing you two different photos. But she says, they're the same photo. It's a picture from Saigon and a picture from Kabul. It's a picture of a U.S. helicopter fleeing a U.S. embassy that had just been overrun. Um, the difference, in 1975, we had already been pulled out of the country for about two years. U.S. forces had left about two years earlier, and it took about two years for the North Vietnamese to, before they fully came crashing through Saigon. From the time we left our last boots on the you know, combat forces on the ground, it, it was less than a few days. So it, it, it's really just embarrassing how quickly things went south and, and that nobody seemed to intervene or just you know get some tomahawk missiles or f-18s or do something then there is the issue of people who supported america and and they've just been abandoned if you're an ally of the united states right now you seriously need to be second guessing your commitment to the united commitments the united states has made if you're taiwan you're terrified if you're australia you're terrified if you're any of the countries that border up to russia you've got to be terrified if, if what you're relying on is the strength and the word of the united states to prevent your local enemies from improving their regional hegemony in the area that you're in, respective countries, Taiwan, Estonia, places like that, with respect to China, Russia, et cetera, you've really got to be thinking this, this, is, this can't pan out well. So, and by far, one of the worst things, and I think this will be one of those things that will be viewed as a second and third order effect, and it won't become fully known for another couple of years, the Chinese embassy did not get overrun in Kabul. They, they have said they are going to likely recognize the Taliban as the legitimate ruling authority of Afghanistan, because that's what we want. We want China and, and see China. They don't care. And the Taliban doesn't care. The Taliban doesn't care that China has a million Muslim Uyghurs imprisoned in the western Zhejiang province. They don't care. And China doesn't care that they're Muslims, even though they don't want Islam spreading in their country because they don't want it to disrupt Chinese culture. They'll make, they'll, they'll make friends with our enemies just to get at us. So tr truly disgusting how things have been handled. There will be a lot more to comment on this in the coming weeks as more video, videos are already coming out of interpreters getting shot, people being beheaded. What's really disturbing, millions of young girls. Keep in mind, if you're 14, a 14-year-old girl in Afghanistan, you've grown up the whole time. American forces are around. Your life wasn't great, but at least it wasn't 8th century you know, Islamic times. All of a sudden, overnight, you're now going to realize the horrors that your mother and grandmother went through when, when, the, when the Taliban was in full control from 96 to 2001. Uh, absolutely horrible. And, and my heart truly goes out. Um, 
it's it's such a big mess now. I don't I don't think there's an answer. That was a lot to cover. We're going to move on. We're going to hit COVID real quick in a minute. A couple of numbers I just want to throw out to you. The nationwide peak so far occurred for this current surge occurred on August 13th. We had 163,000 cases. Now, we haven't breached that since then, but that's only five days old. Missouri's peak, and Missouri was the first state that started seeing a Delta uptick, and they, they've long been criticized. They're a much more open state, almost as open as Florida. Um, the stories of horrors of hospitalization beds being or hospital beds being filled and how awful Republicans are who control the state. Their peak in cases of about 4,000 cases occurred August 4th. They have not surpassed that 4,000 mark, and it seems to be trending down. So in another week or so, we'll be three weeks out. And by the way, when you look back on previous surges, it seems like peaks, as long as they are never breached within three weeks, it continues to be a decline. Now, I kind of said that quickly, but listen to it again. It'll make sense. So Missouri is about one week away from achieving that three weeks since their last peak. Florida similarly had a peak on August 13th. Again, we'll, we'll see if they breach it, but it, it's possible we've seen the peak. Now we've been faked out in the past before and maybe we'll get another, uh, maybe the directional change. But I find Missouri interesting. I think Missouri is the canary in the coal mine for what the U.S. Delta surge is going to look like. Interestingly, kids have been back in school. My kids are here in Texas. They're not wearing masks. Just got a letter that a kid in the class uh, can test positive for COVID. Uh, to that, I say, hope the kid recovers quickly and good. It'll be one more kid who's immune. She'll recover. All, all statistics say she'll recover. In the county I live in, in Texas, we have not had a single death under the age of 30. And so that'll be one more kid who's immune. And my son's immune. I think two or three other kids I think we know of within that class uh, had COVID previously. Good, good. We only got a few more to go before we reach herd immunity in my son's first grade classroom. Um, and people might think I'm being flippant or don't care. It's not that I don't care. It's that I recognize the risk profile of this disease for kids who are six years old is so radically different than it is if you're 80 years old with comorbidities. And, and I know we've all said this, but I, it's just disgusting how some people insist on behaving as if this virus has equal mortality statistics for people of all ages. And it's just, if you're a medical professional and you don't take the time to differentiate those things and speak in a nuanced and careful way, you should be embarrassed and you should potentially lose your medical license. I'm just, I'm so tired of it. People acting like every, every case of COVID is the end of the world. The overwhelming majority of people recover, recover just fine and will have antibodies. Um, interestingly, we don't see the studies coming out that are evaluating the effectiveness of natural immunity. Every now and then a study will come out that seems to indicate that maybe natural immunity wanes, but then when you dig into it, you realize they were focusing on old people. Okay. Older people's immune systems don't work as well as younger people. I, I don't think that's a shock. I don't think anybody would be surprised at that, but have we done a study and, you know, taken blood from a thousand kids from a school that isn't masking up and then take their blood at the end of the year, see how many have COVID antibodies, see how many asymptomatic cases were spread. Um, does asymptomatic spread occur as much as we think it does? Who knows? Who knows? All right, closing it out on a little bit more of a uh, chucklehead meathead note. So, actually, before you do that, I do have one thing. Is there any data on people like myself that have had COVID and have not been vaccinated and yet probably are not spreading any? I feel like when I hear the data of, oh, the people in the hospital have not been vaccinated, have they had COVID? I feel like that question is not being there, asked because my doctor I, I, told me, quote, you have antibodies for a city block. And I got that shit 
in January. Maybe he's just a Trump supporting doctor. I guess maybe, he maybe he is. Maybe he is. I do. It would be amazing if hospitals, you know, say in Missouri or Florida, and look, Florida is hitting higher hospitalization numbers than it did in the winter surge. So, you know, let, let's not deny that. Okay. I'm not denying facts and reality. It would be interesting to know. They say it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Is it a pandemic of the naturally immune or the, or the perceived to be naturally immune? I think now in, part of the reason I think they have trouble doing that is once you're in the hospital, your body's probably producing antibodies. But the question is whether or not your antibodies will be strong enough to overcome the virus. So I, I, my understanding is by the time you're in the hospital, you, you've, you're probably producing antibodies. The question is, can you produce enough of them to have a counteractive effect? So it, it would be interesting to find out of these people who are ending up in the hospital now, how many of them had it previously. Um, but no, no, they don't want to gather that information. It's, 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 it's despicable the information they're avoiding gathering and their studies they're avoiding doing because then they might have to come out. And by the way, great number. Look at Sweden's numbers. By the way, Sweden's vaccination rate, they're four or five percentage points ahead of ours. It's not like they're 20 percentage points ahead of ours. They're essentially not having a Delta surge. And we all know they took a more permissive approach up front. There's probably much higher levels of natural immunity floating around in Sweden. Plus people have been vaccinated. They, they are essentially not having a Delta surge and they're, they're essentially having no deaths. It, it's really fascinating. And it's just a shame that honest people can't have honest discussions and ask questions. It's like, as soon as you ask the question, you get ostracized. Yeah. Well, welcome to the new, uh, welcome to the party, pal. This welcome to the party. All right. We're going to close out on one kind of meathead point. So a few weeks back, you know, I'm sure we all, those of us in our late thirties, early forties, see those commercials on TV about testosterone replacement. It's like, oh, I don't know. Do I really want to stick myself with a needle? And uh, uh. so I was like, you know what? I'm at least going to go get tested. Cause I do feel kind of sluggish. I feel like I haven't really been able to get refocused in the gym and, and, you know, do what needs to be done. So testosterone levels are supposed to be on a rating between 300 and 1100. I thought, look, I'll come in at 400 and maybe it won't be low enough. Cause the doctor said, look, if you're below six, if you're below 600, we'll put you on something to help you out. I was stunned to come in at 272, which I was surprised. I, I, I was absolutely surprised. So put me on uh, 0.25 milligrams. I don't know the concentration. I'll look that up and have that for next week. All that to say, two weeks in, stick on Monday and Friday in the shoulder. I think it's making a difference. I, I, I feel a little better. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that the weight's falling off and I'm going to set an Olympic record here, but I, I think I feel better two weeks in, I'll give another update in another three or four weeks. You know, I've taken a few pounds off, but I'm also just being much more consistent in the gym and eating right. Um, so I'm not sure if it's totally placebo effect or it's, it's the real deal, but we will keep our faithful anodotions updated. Yeah. Keep us updated on that. Interesting. And I'll refrain from commenting on any other positive effects that taking testosterone potentially has. Yeah, let's do that. That's great. Seeing as where you, never mind. Let's, uh, anyway, thanks for that, pal. All right. Well, you know what? That, with that being said, <laughs> that's more than enough for me. So All right. I will uh, look forward to having you on next week. Remember, we're getting back in the sports bench. Um, we're not going to cut you short. We're always going to have you on, but your minute, you might go down to 10 minutes if you can do it. Maybe I just won't well, interrupt as much. Well, that's what she said. So we will truncate right. it a little bit. Um, All right. I got it. We'll see. Because maybe I can actually win some money for us this year in sports, unlike in COVID football. But we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, Look forward to having you back on. All right. Out here.
Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope, episode number 62, where we're going, we don't need roads. I think I finally got it right. I'm your host, Danny Bellis. Be sure and follow us at Instagram, at the Sports Antelope, or follow me at Danny underscore Bellis, with a Z. Touch a, reach out and touch a brother. Tell someone about the Sports Antelope. Tell your neighbor. Tell the guy in the airport, at the airport bar at Chili's. Tell your guy you're playing golf with. Tell someone on the elevator. Reach out, touch a brother, because the Sports Antelope's about to make its run in some straight college and pro football. Pro football futures coming next week. We get closer to that. Be sure and follow all my plays. Thanks to Bro Exotic. Thanks to Tommy Bench. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. We'll have an exclusive interview with Coach Ed Ogeron of the LSU Tigers next week. We look forward to, to week zero. Coming up, baby. Keep it real. And oceans. I never lose, I never lost, cause I'm the boss and never will, cause I'm still the champion. Chief one won't lose until I choose, which I won't cause I don't retreat. I run you over like a truck and leave it dead in the street.